Welcome to Saving You is Killing Me, Loving Someone with an Addiction podcast. Loving someone with an addiction is a life of chaos. This podcast is to help you take back your power and build strength, hope, and restore peace in your life. We use the science and art of positive psychology, professionals in their field, along with personal stories of hope, resilience, and strength. We hope you can discover how the courage to focus on you can help put your life back together. When you are in a place of exhaustion, hopelessness, and emptiness, we are a community that knows all too well the turmoil that comes from loving someone with an addiction. We are here to help you compassionately struggle well. Hey there, Andrea here. I'm so excited because I have such a wonderful guest on the show. And today we're going to talk all about turning pain into purpose. And now Dr. Rob Kelly is, you're just going to love this story. I'm so excited to introduce you to him. Um, Without further ado, Dr. Rob Kelly, thank you so much for being on the show today. Of course, Andrea. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to this. Yay. So, okay, let's jump in. Let's tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, so they call me Dr. Rob, the addiction doctor, and uh, I'm from Manchester, England. I know you're thinking I'm all from South Texas. Uh, I live in Texas now, but I'm from Manchester, UK. Uh, I was born there. I've stayed there till I was about 16, 17, where I went down to Oxford to be educated. Uh, I have two PhDs. I have a PhD in behavioral science and a PhD in psychology. The behavioral science was only finished about two years ago, so I'm really proud about that. And, And in San Antonio, I work with people with addictions, uh, get them well. We have a sky-high success rate of 97%. We offer a money-back guarantee if you drink or use again after while continuing our program that we teach you. And yeah, just living the dream instead of dreaming and living because that's what I did going through most of my life, especially my homelessness. I used to dream of just being at a table with, with my family or any family because it was cold and snowy and it was freezing cold on the streets and abandoned. So in a nutshell, Andrea, that's me. Oh my gosh. Okay. So one PhD wasn't enough, right? You had to go for another one. I'm an alcoholic. One's never enough. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's talk about that a little bit. I know um, you have such a beautiful story of um, triumph and um, really transforming your whole entire life and taking, taking back your power essentially. And that's what this podcast is all about too in our community, in the SYKM community, is that it's all about uh, taking back your power and focusing inward on you. And um, I love that you touch on all this idea of neuroscience and the idea of trauma and, and, and how that influences us. And not just from the perspective of addiction, but also from the perspective it can help those who love someone with an addiction as well. So let's, let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, you know, obviously my alcoholism took off when I was very young, but I didn't know it. One of the reasons I got into doing what I'm doing now, and it's more research than anybody else has ever done, because I'm adamant to find out why this disease was ripping my family apart. Uh, my kids, the youngest I've never seen, 30 years on, is still seeing a counselor for the damage that I did. Why there was no, you know, treatment for it? Because when my doctor said, oh, there's this AA meeting, you want to go to that one? And it's just like, nobody can help me. So from the journey that I've been on, uh, I learned that everybody is a winner. Everybody can be a leader. 
and I know this for a fact, Andrea, from my research, that everybody's born with million-dollar minds. Why do we choose to hang around 10-cent minds? That's what I wanted to know, because we do, you know, and, and our family lineage and, and, and the way we grow up has an effect on our future. It doesn't have to define us, because I grew up very poor, where we couldn't even afford shoes for me to walk to school with. So I'm intrigued. I got down to work. I decided that uh, what we had out there in the public or in the medical fraternity, which was nothing, by the way, that I had to um, look into the science of this deal and that I didn't have a drinking problem. What I had was a thinking problem. I have a mind with self-sabotaging neural pathways that tell me it's going to be different this time. And it really intrigued me. And I love working with people. I, well, I love working with people, Andrea. I love getting them well. But I, here's my payment in full. When the family or loved ones call me up and go, I don't know what you did, Dr. Rob, but my husband is a changing man. I, I just, that, that's what I need. I don't get involved in the money size. It's just beautiful. And like I say, I was supposed to retire, but I'm going to retire when I'm 100. See how I feel. <laughs> That is so beautiful. And oh my gosh, you said so many things. So really you delved into this, the science around addiction and then, and working it back and almost going into investigating the trauma that people might be exposed to, or that they've lived through and things like that. But then this idea of this neuroplasticity and in positive psychology, we love the science behind rewiring our brain essentially. And so I think that that is such a, a fascinating topic. And I think that I love the way you put it too about what you said, million dollar minds and that we all have them. And that it's like, it, that it's amazing how we can just tap into that. And so let's talk about that a little bit. These, this idea of neuroplasticity and rewiring our brain and uh, how powerful it is in terms of healing and getting well. Well, if everyone's listening to this, have you ever heard the saying, I've made my mind up to do something? Well, the science behind that, that, there's a difference between the mind and the brain. And people go, what? And he says, yeah, I mean, the brain can be touched, it can be taken out, it can be felt. The mind is inside the brain. It's energy, it's power. And the mind tells the brain what to do. That's what happens, guys. Neural pathways don't just go, hey, let's do this. Neural pathways have reborn uh, thought patterns. So where do the thought patterns come from? They come from the mind. So the mind tells the brain what to do, that tells the central nervous system that the body will continue to go. So here's where I found out, first of all, let me just go real, because it's really important to the neural pathway change. I'm outside a liquor store when I'm homeless. I have a vest, pair of shorts, flip-flops on. It's snowing. I'm sweating profusely. It's 5.30 in the morning. He opens the door at 6. He's not supposed to serve till 10, but he knows me. This morning, I don't know why, I put 10 pounds on the counter. He put the bottle of vodka. Now I'm shaking and sweating and banging headache. And this was my reaction. As soon as I got hold of the handle of the bottle, not opened it, all the shakes went, the headache went, the feeling changed instantly. I was in a good mood. I remember looking at the shopkeeper back at the bottle and I thought to myself, oh my God, it's not the alcohol. So that led me to what's really going on. So then we look at neural pathways and, and how they're created. And what I find is, to cut a long story short, a neural pathway is a new thought pattern. Okay, it can be anything. So let's say you drive a car. So you build the neural pathways to drive a car. So when you first drive it, it's real big. It feels like a tank, the car, and you're scared of hitting people. Then after you do your lessons and you pass your test, you can reverse down the driveway, waving to the wife, talking to the best friend, and listening to the radio at the same time. That's because neural pathways are already there. 
But what happens with normal neural pathways is uh, when you go abroad or something and you don't drive, let's say, for six months to a year, you come back to America, you can't jump in the car and do all that stuff at the same time. You have to relearn the neural pathway because the neural pathway for that driving diminishes when you don't use it. So let's look at self-sabotaging neural pathways around alcoholism. So I build that neural pathways to drink and self-sabotage. But when I get sober for a week, a month, a year, whatever it is, that neural pathway for that self-sabotage around alcoholism does not diminish. It stays the same. So when I go back to drinking, it's just like I've left it the day before. And that was our problem. Is how, how, can we, how do we change that? How do we even go about it? And there's a great book of AA out there, 164 pages, that talks about psychic changes. And I was interested in that. How do we change the way we think? And uh, it's, it's positive reinforcement, neuro-linguistic programming, somatic experience and psychology, along with behavioral science that, that we work on in here. And we found it very successful. It's like nobody knows how powerful they really are. If you're being told repeatedly as a child that you're never going to answer anything, you're not clever enough to go to college, you know, you're fat, whatever it may be, then that affects our adult life to the to the extreme where we get girls all the time coming to me and going hey dr Rowe, can you explain why i keep settling for that alcoholic guy who, who beat me in the end i always attract them sort of guys and my answer is as you will know andrea i can see you smiling is what did your father do to your mom or caregivers well there was an alcohol oh it's like we carry them traits that enmeshment that we get from our caregivers over to our adult life and that is where the trauma starts. And that's how we begin. We go back to the scene of the crime. We clear all that stuff. So we uncover, discover, and discard is what we do. And that sets us free into the future to move forward so that self-sabotaging becomes a second thought. The first thought is success, kindness, you know, all the great stuff that we carry as human beings. Very, very interesting. Very effective. Very effective. Okay, I, I knew I wanted to have you on the show because there's so much goodness in this, but it is smarty pants. So let's let's break it down a little. And I remember um, one of the things that really stands out to me about this idea of relearning and uh, neural pathways is it reminds me of my grandpa. And I say this example all the time is he used to take the same path to the, the farm mm. to feed the horses. And the more he walked on that path, the easier it became for him to walk on that path. So I always equate like neural pathways is the more we go down a path, it's, it's, it, it's just easier to fire that way. It's easier to walk that way. It's easier to go. But if we were to go down a new path or want to create new behaviors or new thinking patterns, it's like carving a a new trail like so you need the machete out and like you know it's like harder to go down there but the more you go down there the more the pathway gets compact is that a good analogy like so that we have to kind of rewire or like start going down that path more frequently and letting the old path kind of grow over with all the years i've been doing this and all the interviews and all the tv and all of everything i've done i've never heard anything like explaining exactly what it is like that it's perfect yeah, it, that's exactly what it is. I related to a freeway coming out of your city. Like ours is, let's say, I-75. My self-sabotaging your pathway is I-75, and that's easy. It's quick. I know the way. I'm going to go straight to it all the time. Let's start taking the service roads. Oh, uh, I don't know. You know, I might try it, but I'm going to jump back on the freeway because it's quicker. 
Yeah, perfect. That's exactly what it is. I mean, you thought patterns, you neural pathway build, and there are billions in their head. But uh, I can do, I've had a new neural pathway this morning with me to you, I mean. You know, I mean, the psychological connection that we already have because of our work. It's just, I now I have, instead of listening to, hey, I get my day the night before. I have no idea what I'm doing tomorrow. But my assistant will send me eight o'clock tonight my day. And I don't know who Andrea is. I do a bit of research. Courtney gets hold of me. This is day, day, day. You need to be on this podcast. And now I'm meeting for the first time. So, Andrea, you have had an, an instant effect on me. So that's new neural pathways. I have a loving care for, a, for, for somebody else that does what I do. But that's a new neural pathway. And that will always be there for you. And the only way it's going to diminish is if me and you fall out over something. I'm crazy. No, no chance we will. But then it gets affected. But yeah, that's how easy it is to learn a new neural pathway. Amazing. So being armed with this information, I love the way you put it to the uncover, discover and discard. Um, okay, so I want to back up a little bit because I know the listeners mm-hmm. are thinking, what? My parents' relationship was wonderful or what? I didn't see that path or I don't I don't remember mm-hmm. that trauma. And why is it that I'm, you know, uh, being pulled into relationships? And, and I did have a pa- pattern as well myself and uh, loving someone with an addiction uh, and uh, some people say you're too empathetic, Andrea, you're, you, you take on your rescuer, you take on other people's problems, this and that, you know, so for the listener and for um, pe- individuals that are, are loving someone with an addiction, struggling with that, and they are automatically going back going, I can't think of that, or maybe they do, they say, oh, yeah, I see that exactly. What advice can you give us? Well, the thing you'll remember is everything we see, we do, we hear, we smell is, is stored in the subconscious brain. So there are billions of thought patterns. Everything we see or hear is stored. Now, I don't know what's in my subconscious brain, you know? So somewhere along my childhood, somebody's told me, you know, that I wasn't good enough to do something, and it gets stored there. Now, most people don't think that's trauma. You see, my dad used to tickle my sister as a two- and three-year-old, and she was chubby because she started baby fat. You're like, you fat mess. Go on, you fat mess. And everyone would laugh in the family and everything. And she'd laugh, and dad would like, go on, you fat mess. That stuck with her. She's been dieting for 40 odd years because of that. Now that's trauma. But they go, what? I can't be. That's trauma. No one's fault. It's not mom and dad's fault. You know, it's just that we're only finding out this over the last 20 years. It's like it goes a lot deeper. So when we when we look at trauma, and everybody has it, by the way, especially alcoholics. You know, alcohol is another one that blow you listeners. Alcoholics are born, drug addicts are made. And what I mean by that is alcoholism is a predisposition. It's hereditary. It's passed down from generation to generation. What that means is my neural pathways and mapping is, is different. It's, it's slightly off. And with the trauma, uh, it combines into that alcoholic brain. Drug addicts are not the same. They're not born drug addicts. They may be born with the addicted mind, but they're not born with a self-sabotaging mind. So you have to take enough drugs to become addicted. So that's a big problem with defining the two, because most people don't know that. Drugs is just as bad as alcohol. No, it, it, that's not. I mean, they're short the same. Believe me, they do, but they're not from birth. It's not. So first of all, you can't change anybody. That's the first thing as a loving partner. Well, I'm going to change him. I'm going to change her. It never happens. Well, I'm going to make him happy. That's not your job. Your job is to make you happy. His job is to make him happy. And you come together for fun, for enjoyment, and you get to like each other and then fall in love. That's how it's supposed to work, and it does. But we all think we can help somebody. The only way we can help somebody is when they are ready. And that's one of the reasons we have a very strict assessment before we take you on. 
We won't take you. You can't buy our services. We don't work like that. I turned Britney Spears down for a million dollars. When she turned up two hours late drunk at the restaurant that we closed off, especially for our meeting, I couldn't do it. I just walked out. It was, she wasn't ready. So a lot of it is looking where the alcoholic is or even somebody you think struggling. And psychologically, where are they? Because there is a point when you cross the line from heavy drinking or abusing alcohol to alcoholism. And that line is huge. And I'll tell you why it's huge. Two parts of the brain are telling us to do it. And that's what most people in the addiction industry don't understand, is we don't have a choice. As, as I was born, my hypothalamus, like everybody's normal hypothalamus, which is our fight or flight part of the brain, tells normal people, and me to a certain degree, till I crossed over the line, to drink water and eat food to survive. That's why we never have to teach a baby that it's hungry, it's got its hand down its mouth, or it cries because its belly hurts. It's a natural instinct that we're given. When we cross over the line from abusing alcohol to alcoholically drinking as an alcoholic, because remember, we're born this way, it's only a matter of time, and the hypothalamus tells me to drink water. Uh, sorry, to drink alcohol. That's why we can go days or weeks without water or food. I lived on alcohol for at least a month because my hypothalamus is telling me you need alcohol, you need alcohol. So you're already against that. The twin for that is, is the basal ganglia which is our repetition, strengthen, and confirmed part of the brain. So what mine says, you're not good enough. You'll never be good enough. I'm going to try and get sober. Oh, I'm sober, but it's going to happen again, so I might as well drink now. And it keeps going round in that circle until we die. And the idea is, is to chink into that basal ganglia with any kind of neural pathway we can to better that cycle so it gets better and better. So my immediate reaction was to self-sabotage. My immediate reaction today is to help people to live a great life and look after myself. Oh. And I know that's a lot of information. I'm it's thinking. a lot. I get excited I, when I talk about this. I, I can tell and I love your passion and it's just, you know, it's contagious and um, and you really have this wonderful way of explaining things. So I really am grateful for that. One of the main key takeaways here, I know that would really benefit the listener, listeners is this idea that we can't change anyone. It's not our job to make someone else happy. And um, that obviously the bottom line is that they'll get help when they're ready. And that that is a key message there too for our listeners. And then I also, what really resonated with me was the story that you shared about yourself when there is that moment where you were reaching for the bottle and you, all your symptoms of withdrawal went away. And it was like the second you knew you were going to have it, it just demonstrates the power of your brain. And, and I love that you really bring this to our attention um, because it can help us in so many ways. And this idea of creating new neurological pathways, creating, mm -hmm. you know, taking back control of our, our learning and our, our, our behavior is so powerful. Can we talk a little bit more about this idea? And you've mentioned it a few times about self-sabotage. Why do we do that? Well, normal people do it <clears throat> because it's something in the past of trauma. Um, and alcoholics do it because they're made to do that. So if you're sat at home and you're thinking you're not good enough or you can't get this or you'll never amount to anything, I want to apologize to you because somebody's put that there. Okay, we're not born this way. So then we have to look at exactly what's been put there. Uh, and then what happens is 
somewhere along the line, you've been told certain things in your life that sticks in the subconscious brain. Alcoholics, uh, 100% treble that, quadruple that, you know, them thoughts. So here's me and my brother stood on the kitchen table. My mom walks in, and we're about 9, 10, 11 at the time. My mom walks in, and we're not supposed to be on the kitchen table. So she says to my brother and me, get down off that table, you stupid idiot, get down. My brother hops off laughing, and I freeze. Because what I hear, get down off that table, you stupid idiot. Because that's what I got called most of the time as people I was around. So therefore, I want to sell sabotage. So my mom was right, you know? So when I go for that job, that house, that girl, that car, just before I go into a, an intense situation that I'm nervous at, my subconscious brain releases that to the prefrontal cortex that says you're a piece of crap. Why the hell are you here? You can't afford that house. What are you supposed Are you kidding me? That's the damage done. So that's the self-sabotaging part of the brain that I'm never good enough never tall enough, thin enough, rich enough, or smart enough, you know? And, and that's with every human being is we get that point. You see, everybody thinks these guys, CEOs, these football players, you know, there's a famous white rapper that I, I work with, uh, very famous, and he he's vomiting before he goes on the stage because he doesn't think he's good enough. He don't think he's, why is he here? You know, multi-million platinum selling, you know, artist, but uh, everybody has it, and people think they don't. So all of a sudden, they, they start to withdraw, thinking, well, I'm the only person that's going through this depression, this alcoholism, this addiction, and so we might as well mess it up now because it's going to happen in the end, and that's when we go down that route. Oh, my gosh. And it also reminds me a lot of imposter syndrome, too. And uh, Oh, yeah. Andrea. Oh, I'm number one at that. Oh, we all have goodness. it. We all yeah. do it. Yes. Yeah. So I absolutely love the way you put it. I want to apologize for, to you right now what's been planted in your mind. And that right away removes you from the fact of like, oh my gosh, like that's where that comes from. It's actually not yes. even from my, you know, it's like, so, so it's interesting to be able to go in and think about and look at and really get deep and look at what's been programmed. So how does someone do that? Well, we go back and then we uncover, discover, discard, like I said. We go back to the scene of the crime. Once we find the scene <laughs> of the crime, and we use stuff like brain spotting, which is a direct input from the pupil to the subconscious brain to pull that stuff out. NLP, psychology, all the stuff. If you go back with someone who knows what they're doing, they can pull that stuff out of you. So remember, it's locked in the subconscious brain. So most people can't come off at the top of my head. Oh, remember this. It's like, no, one of mine, Andrea, was that my mom and dad used to drop me off at one of their friends while they went drinking. So this man and wife and two kids, I was dropped off at their house. When mom and dad went, it was common knowledge that everyone gets undressed and runs around the house and just stays undressed, you know, the night. I thought that was normal. It wasn't normal. That was childhood trauma that affected not only my sex life, but my relations as I grew older. So we have to pinpoint the traumas. It's always more than one. And like you already know, we, we talk through them. And then we start working with that inner child that's been damaged so much. And we start talking to that inner child and we pull through and we walk through and we realize that the only reason that I can't take any responsibility for this is not getting treatment earlier. No, it wasn't your fault you got molested or it wasn't my fault I got dropped off. But my fault was I, I stuffed it down for so long. So that's a human being trait. 
If you ever see, if there's guys at home, if you listen to this, if you ever seen a deer being hit by a car but doesn't die, it will, it will stay motionless for about three seconds. Then it jumps up, then it shakes violently for five or six seconds, and then it runs on its way. That deer has been proven to never suffer from that trauma from that road accident. You'll see it 20 minutes later running across the same road. Human beings don't do that. We keep it stuffed down. And what happens, it's a bit like a zip file on my laptop. I put everything in that zip file that I don't really want right now or, or legal stuff that I don't want to see right now. And then one day I'm bored, I click on the zip file and all that stuff comes at me at once. It's too much. So we pick mm -hmm. each individual trauma and then we work through it. And then what we do is we build that human being as a powerful person because everybody is. Most people go, well, that's not me. Everybody's a leader. I've got to tell you that, guys. Everybody's a leader and, and, and stop being selfish. Get out there and lead. You know, it's, it's crazy how we can really change our life. And once we change our life, because remember the airplanes in the room, if the oxygen drops down, put it on yourself first. So when I get help and I get well, I can work with other people and go, hey, I identify with that experience that you're going through. I had the same thing. I was also molested by a priest who was also my choir master. So it's really important that we have this experience and knowledge as we go into this neuroscience. Oh, so many goodness, little nuggets of goodness here. Um, I really like the analogy that you use. It's like a zip file file. We stuff it down, but I also love that you don't just open it all up like a can of worms, like, a, yeah. like, you know, coming out in your face. It's like uncovering and discovering is, is meant to be done. Obviously perhaps with a therapist, with a psychologist, with, you know, someone who knows what they're doing when it comes yes. to, you. um, you know, so definitely reaching out for support there, but then also, um, work, working through trauma one by one, like plucking out and just processing them, uncovering them, discovering. I love the discard piece that you're talking about. But the other piece that I picked up on that really resonates with me, and it's all about building, building people back up, is this resilience. And with the SYKM community, that's exactly what this whole program is about, is about building people up, building their resilience, their ability to tap back into their resources. It's not pretending bad things don't happen. It's recognizing that that's a part of life and that, and how can we then take back our power and build up our ability to struggle well. And I love that concept of struggling well, because we're not immune to it. But I also love the way that you say it is that, you know, that we're all amazing and that we all yes. have this power and we're all leaders mm -hmm. and we're strong and we have that ability yeah it's true because we don't think we are because nobody tells us i never got out of boy from my dad i was a i was a bodybuilder in my younger day and that dad never says hey good job nice trophies oh my god you've won you're the british champion no one ever said that to me and it's the same as we grow up as as uh, teenagers is we don't compliment enough i this is the first thing i say to my patients on the first session within two or three minutes of being on I look at them and I say, if we could swap places for 30 seconds, all your problems would be over. And they look at me and go, what? You don't see what we see. You don't see this amazing, attractive, intelligent woman that's changing lives on a daily, you don't see that. And all of a sudden you can see the smile on the face and you can see the head lifting up a little bit. It's like, we don't tell each other. I was working in our Dallas office some years ago and, uh, there's two nurses. One's a junior nurse, one was a senior nurse. And this guy came in 
and, and left. And I just happened to come into the kitchen, but was doing something outside. And I heard this conversation. And the young nurse says to the older nurse, did you just see what Dr. Rob did? That guy come in, he was suicidal. He walked out, he was skipping and saying bye to everybody. That's incredible. And the old nurse says, I know. Have you told him that? Oh, no, no, no. I, I, no, no. I mean, he already knows. But no, no. That's the problem with society. If we started lifting people up and then letting them know how amazing they are, that's the lift we need. Everybody needs a lift up in life. And we can change, we can change somebody's being with two words. With two words of kindness. And when I say thank you to somebody or I compliment somebody, dopamine's released into my brain. I like dopamine. It's a good field drug. So it's a win-win situation. You try this at home, guys. Here's a little exercise to do. Next time you're out with your friends or you see somebody, walk up to somebody you don't know. Let's say sneakers. Go, oh, my God, they are awesome sneakers. He'll go, oh, thank you, buddy. As he walks away, keep watching him. He'll look down at his sneakers, and then his shoulders will lift a little bit. You've just made his day. In what? Ten seconds? Oh, yours, honestly, Dr. Rob, you are speaking my language right now. <laughs> Because in the positive psychology world, it's all about strength spotting and tapping into your strengths and, and using your strengths, but also this idea of how kindness and um, gratitude and appreciation is more than just for you. When you uh, express kindness, it's amazing how that comes back. I love that you bring up the whole uh, hit of dopamine. It's our feel-good neurotransmitter. It makes us feel good. Um, and it's so true. It's that little, I always say, like, let people express things but then also ex explain why it's like I really like this I like how you do this and then this is why it's like yeah um it, it really does deepen it is so good um for building up our own res resilience and building up our positive emotions right and balancing those so mm -hmm. we can have more positive emotions and so I I love that element you're definitely speaking my language there and yes that's a great exercise <laughs> and and that kindness is beyond just for you it's like it's when you're kind and you are appreciative and it go into those emotions of gratitude oh gosh it just really enhances all those positive mm. emotions like joy and appreciation yes. and you know happiness okay so i i love i love that you have you know turned your whole entire trajectory of your life you've done so much research and you've gone you've educated yourself in so many ways and now you've turned all your learning and expertise into helping other people and um, that is so profound so I'm curious like what has been your biggest aha or eureka effect through your whole career I think the fact is that that we have the power and that anybody can change apart from the vodka thing with my hand on it you know, coming in, in, in throughout my career, it's like everybody can change. Unless you have a serious brain injury, um, obviously, but apart from that, everyone can change. Everyone can bet themselves, stay where they are, it's up to you. You have the power to do that, you know? Just make your mind up to do it, and the rest will be taken case. Have a spiritual way of life. Don't care if it's your uncle Bob looking after you up there or something, energy or universe. And believe in something that can, that can help you on your way. And, you know, it's... I always say to people, if you walk in a room of 10 people and you had a frown on your face, most people are going to frown back. So say six out of 10 are going to frown back. If you walk in the same room with the same people with a smile on your face, all 10 people will smile back. So that scenario on its own is powerful, but then you flip it, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. 
If you hang around nine depressed people, you will become the 10th. It's the mirroring part of our brain. If you hang around 10 successful people, you will become the 11th. You know, it's as simple as that. So who we surround ourselves by is very important, not only to the psyche, but to the central nervous system and our well-being of our spirit, our energy. You know, all that great stuff is really important. And I don't mean friends that are going to tell you BS. I mean, proper friends that will tell you when you're wrong or when you're right. But we should, I think when people, when I was in Dallas, I used to hang around these guys and I said to them one day about six years ago, I'm thinking of writing a book. Two of them laughed, couldn't even talk. The other one said, don't be so stupid, you're not an author. And then the other one said, well, I don't think it'll be any good. So I didn't write a book, Andrea. I came to San Antonio three years ago. I got a new set of friends that are really positive. And I said one day, I'm thinking of writing a book. One said, oh, my God, I thought you already had books out there. The other two said, oh, my God, I would buy that immediately. And the other one said, that's the best idea you've ever had since I've known you. So I wrote a book. You know, people around you, if you inspire people, they will inspire you. I always ask people, I ask my competitors when they get on. I say, what can I do to you for you that will improve your business? Tell me something I can do. Well, it'd be great if you promote us on, our, on your web, on your web, on your Facebook I'll do that for you. If I don't get it, why are you doing it? Well, you're a competitor. Because I'm a kind person and I want to see you succeed. That's all there is to it. Oh my God. Yes. And it's like, and I always believe that it's an upward spiral when uh, you surround yourself. And I love this idea of the mirroring part of our brain when we surround ourselves with uplifting people. Um, it, it just has this upward spiral because one, you know, the kindness just kind of keeps mm. like helping each other yeah. and goes back and back <clears throat> and so true. And I love your point that we have the power and that that has been such a huge eureka for you through your journey and all of this and that um, everyone has the power to change and that it's the power within ourselves. Mm. So beautiful. So beautiful. So for the listeners, the people that mm. might be in the muck of loving someone with an addiction, they're feeling, you know, maybe they have been traumatized just from the sheer experience of loving someone with an addiction or little mini traumas associated with that. It doesn't have to be a grandiose trauma. It can be all those little mini, you know, traumas, um, oh, yeah. like you said. Um, what, what message would you have for them? First of all, the realization that the brain doesn't know the difference. And there's another shocker for you listening. Oh, I love this. And, and respect to our servicemen. I'm, I'm truly American these days. I'm a citizen. I love, I love our guys keeping us safe. But the brain doesn't know the difference between somebody coming back from war and a wife in an alcoholic, violent house. We're both walking around on eggshells. Nobody knows when he's going to kick off, and everyone thinks this is your last day on earth. So we have to realize anybody living with an alcoholic is suffering from trauma. When we take a patient on, let's say it's the husband, we will not fully take him on until his wife or anybody over the 18 in that house signs on with us as well, because they need to do their work. The alcoholic, um, if not treated, it will end in violence. And I had a woman on just the other day and we've been working or tried to work with her husband. And I told her it's going to end in violence. And she said, and I quote, my husband does not have a violent bone in his body, Dr. Rob. I think that was wrong of you. Take it back. I didn't take it back. Two, three days ago, she called up. He came on drunk. He broke a nose, broke a collarbone and was arrested and was put on a 72 psych hold. Now, I will bet that he didn't know anything about that when he wakes up. But that's the way it goes. Be very careful in an alcohol relationship. If you have children, a little bit of advice for you. 
get the children and get out of that house as quick as you possibly can because you can't help him until he wants to help himself. Now, the same man, sticking my hand up, guys, for those guys that are listening, not watching, who used to be that guy that did stab his wife three times one night because she wouldn't let him finish the bottle of vodka, the guy that left his kids ages one and three in, in a cinema while dad drove 10 miles to grab a bottle of vodka or come back, there's police there, the lights are on, the trauma's horrific, has turned into a great human being today. But you can't do anything. So you have to ask yourself one simple question. Am I enabling or am I helping? There's a big line there, and it's easy to see the two distinctions. If nothing changes, guys, nothing changes. And it's a progressive illness, and it will get worse. So what we offer here is if there's an alcoholic or a drug addict listening to this and thinks, I, don't, I can't do anything, I'm not good enough, blah, 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 I'm going to give my personal cell phone number towards the end. I want you to text me. Call me. It's all free of charge. I'll give you a five to ten minute pet talk that will change your life. If you are a loved one of an alcoholic who's living with somebody who's an alcoholic and want advice, you text me on the same number I'm going to give you. I'm going to pass you over to one of my therapists or my wife who I've experienced. Her brother was an alcoholic before she met me. He blew his head off one night because um, he can't stand it anymore. And she will talk to you about the family. So either way, we can help you. No one's going to sell you anything. We don't want your business. We just want to be of service. You'll be doing us the favor. That's beautiful. And I, I, this is the whole reason we have this community is so that people don't feel alone. Um, I also really do value your warning in that um, from your professional standpoint, your, your, um, your knowledge, your wisdom, your education, um, and just providing us with that, that heartfelt warning. Um, because, you know, it, trauma is trauma. I love the way you, you explained it is that it, it doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't dis differentiate, you know, whether you like, you know, I don't even want to go into the, the muckiness of explaining a, a really bad trauma versus a not so bad trauma, but at the same time, trauma is trauma. The brain doesn't know the difference. And I, I do love that message. And then also that the addiction is a progressive illness. And um, that is, you know, and I, I've heard so many stories through the support group um, and through just talking with people and it's heartbreaking, right? So you're right. When you do love someone with an addiction, it is, there are going to be many sources of trauma, but the great news is, and the great news is, is that we have the power to focus mm -hmm. on us and to change our life. And I always say, become the, the hero. Like how can you rewrite your story? So you become yeah. the hero of your story. 100%. 100%. And then, instead of the that's what wives say to us when they come along and they go, okay, we're going to do your work. And they all sit down with the therapist and go, okay, let you tell me about my husband, what he did. And we go, oh, did we not tell you? It's got nothing to do with him. This is about you. Well, I'm not suffering from a trauma. You've kept them children in your household when dad's come home in rages. Don't tell me that you don't need help. You do need help. Work on your own story. And what we find, even if the husband jumps out and doesn't want to do it, is that women become very powerful. Any, any woman, this is just me personally, this is not proven science, it's just me personally, that puts a man before his children, for her children is not worth anything in my book. Protect the children. Dad will get well. Dad will come back home. And if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. Protect the children. And, and, and that for me, that, that's why I mean, I'm honest with people. I tell people, if you don't get help, you're going to die. 
Okay, but you can't tell people that, Dr. Rob. Yeah, I can. I can tell people everything I want because it's backed up by science and backed up by experience. The thousands of people I've worked with. The, the, the bottom line is, if the patient wants help, we'll get him well. And we'll get you well as well, Mrs. as well, because you've got your own stuff. And any children over 18, you've got your own stuff because PTSD and trauma, that's ruining your life. And what happens is, let's say if a wife, for instance, uh, I'm not saying it's always the husband, they get stuck on that high wire click. So we're always on alert. We're all, and that affects our life. You know, we're always on that ready to go fight off like, and, and the brain gets stuck on that. And until you sort that out with you, not the husband, with you personally, that's going to ruin your life eventually. And you're going to become a nervous wreck. Where really, most of these women, we, we actually take on the wives. So beautiful, so intelligent, so smart. But the confidence has been kicked out of them because of the husband. Because we get mean when we're drunk, you know? And it doesn't have to be that way. Yes. And I do want to also bring to like, make sure we, we um, make sure that a lot of the listeners too, some of the listeners are parents of um, loved ones that have an addiction, like children that have an addiction or even vice versa. It could be, you know, the wife or, you know, the spouse. So um, there's many, many different um, variations of listeners here. And so, um, but with your experience, that, that was your, um, the dynamic in your relationships. And um, so, yes. And also the fact that um, offering yourself compassion, like I know that I probably stayed in that relationship a little bit longer than I probably should have. I did expose my children to, I remember even at times like, like sending the kids go upstairs before he comes home, you know, like, so that like I can uh, get them out of the line of fire, so to speak. And so off offering yourself compassion when you're in it and in the muck and maybe and don't judge yourself around it, but recognizing that, you know, it can get worse. And um, also putting your children first, I think is definitely a very good message. And um, I had one of my friends even say to me, says, Andrea, what would you do if your daughter was dating someone oh, who had this addiction? Yes. What yes. would you say to your daughter? And I'd be like, I like get the heck out like ASAP. Yes. And so she's like, Andrea, get the heck out ASAP. And that was the answer that I, that's the conversation I need. Now, everyone listening to this might be at different stages and different mm. parts in their relationships. Mm. And I mean, it's different when it's your children as well. So I just want to make sure I'm, I'm covering all that, but it's almost like, yeah, it's like, it's, it's just incredible. It's not up to any person to make the wife or husband happy. It's not up to me to keep my wife happy. That's not my job. My job is to make sure I'm in thick spiritual condition and I'm happy every day she does her work we come together as a unit and one of the biggest things I want to pass to people listening is give yourself permission to be happy because we don't do that it's like well I'm miserable and listen straight message if you don't like your husband get a new husband if you don't like your job get a new job if your children are struggling trauma get out of that house oh Dr. Rob it's not that easy it really is it really is that easy because what you'll find is when, you, when you're in that relationship, you're, you're a piece of whatever, and, and you don't feel attractive, and you don't feel worthy, and the husband drunken or saying something, no one else will ever take you with two kids and all that stuff, when the reality is you have a beautiful spirit, you are beautiful, so attractive, great mom, and anybody, there's not a person good enough to date you by the time you've been through our program. That's the honest truth. Most people are women that come out of abusive relationships. We've asked them. And we've got to know their psyche and their thought patterns is, I didn't think anybody else would have me because I felt ugly and, and useless, you know? And that's not the case. One, one person's 
uh, thought pattern of you uh, is not reality. You know, it's just not real. What other people think of you is none of your business. I love that expression. It's so true though, isn't it, Andrew? It's like, you yes. know, okay, you don't like me. You think I'm fat. You think I'm this. You're just aggressive. You're just drinking. That's fine. I call a friend who tells me that I'm, 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 you're amazing. Dr. Rob, you're amazing. I just lost 75 pounds, Andrea, over the last four months. I got to 60. I was weighing 310, uh, like a power lift. And I thought, you know, I'm going to change. So I've I, I made changes. And now I'm down 75 pounds. And people go, oh, God, you look amazing. You look amazing. But surround myself with people. There's some jealous guys, you know, people around me. But they don't affect me because no one should, unless I give them t- permission to affect me. Oh, that's gold. So I, I like that. Unless we give so anyone else's opinion of us is none of our business. Oh. And that's only one person's perspective. So especially when you're in the muck of, you know, loving someone with addiction, there's name calling, there's blaming, there's all kinds of things. But just remember, it's like when it all comes down to it, we are a beautiful spirit. I love oh that message God, you've yeah. given us. And also I love the simplicity of I want change. I'm yeah. worthy of so yeah. much more and mm. also tapping in and connecting to the beautiful messages that perhaps when someone loves you or friends that admire and love you, um, what is it that they would say about you or what is it that they are yeah. saying about you and tapping back yeah. into that. Yeah. And I love that simplicity of like, I'm ready for change and I am so worthy of it. I'm a beautiful spirit is just, that is 100%. such a game. Yeah. I mean, people don't even think that way. When me and my wife got married, I swear to God, Andrew, three days in, we had an argument about something stupid. It was, it was silly. And, and, you know, we were shouting each other. And she turned around and I said, well, if this is, if, if this is marriage, I, I don't want anything to do with this. And she said, that's the way marriage is supposed to be. And I stopped for a second and I said these words that changed our life. I said, said who? Who's making these rules up? We don't like these rules. Me and my wife dance in the bathroom every morning. We throw things at each other. Even when I'm on serious live on TV with millions of people watching, she'll throw some paper at me or some. It's just make it on relationships. Make you can really write your own story. You know, while I'm stuck here, you're only stuck there because you need to learn that experience and move on so your life becomes better. If you sat at home thinking that this is your lot, you are delusional, my friend. You are so delusional that we get put through this for our experience and that you can literally listen, quantum physics tells us. Let's say a basketball court, for instance. Quantum physics says that I can be 25 places at the same time on that basketball court because nothing's really solid. Oh, so I'm thinking, where would I want to be? Well, I can see me over near the goal, grabbing the ball, put it in the net and be the hero of the game. How do I get there? Here's the answer. Walk over and take that position. It's not rocket science. Walk over, don't beg for it. Walk over and take it. What you visualize in your head, you can hold in your hand. That's the bottom. I visualize me driving a $200,000 car. Check. Living in a million-dollar house. Check. Being the best person I can be. Check. Being successful. Check. I visualized it. You know? And people, this is the key to the universe. That people think that because people treat me this way, I must be that kind of person. There's two kinds of people in this world. People who don't like you and people that want to be you. Okay? And you can bet 99% of people out there that are jealous want to be you. And the rest of you guys love you for who you are. And that's really important. But the human brain, if 100 people are watching you, 99 says you're great, one says you're terrible, the human brain is going to concentrate on the one that's terrible. Stop doing that. That's called self-sabotage. It's not the truth. It's one guy's opinion. 99 said you're amazing. Start living the dream. Stop dreaming of living. Start living it from today. 
So talk about neuroplasticity and change. The guys listening at home going, where do I start? Here's where you start. Tomorrow morning when you get up, make your bed, bang, one great thing that you've done. That's the, the brain goes, well, that's successful. Walk into the bathroom, brush your teeth with a non-dominant hand. So the other hand, you don't brush it. Neural pathways will start build around that successful thing you've just done. Write down five things that you will accomplish that day. It could be dinner, lunch, whatever it is, and, and tick them off as you happen. And your brain starts going, oh, wow, we're successful today, man. What can we do tomorrow to be? It's that simple. It really is that simple. Ooh, I love this application. I, I, I'm always about actionable nuggets. So that is wonderful. And what stands out to me is this like, said who? Like, you know, right. questioning, said who? Who's, who's making these rules up? I don't like them. <laughs> exactly. I love that. It's so empowering. And I'm all about empowerment. So, and also, I love that nugget you gave us. You know, if, if you want to be over there, walk over there and be there. And it's just, you know what? And it's up to us and it's up to us and to make these changes and to program this. And I love the a- a- application of like um, programming success and just, and just little evidences and baby steps. And I love the idea of, yeah, just like walking to the, the washroom and like, you know, brushing with your non dominant in hand creating new neural neural pathways and so many little tiny nuggets that are so wonderful that can help us okay what's five things we're going to accomplish today and accomplish them don't put five things like i want to win the lottery and build a rocket because your brain (laughs) you're going to sell yourself up you see and don't be don't be set back by disappointments these are listen the beatles were turned down 30 odd times said they'll never make a record jk rowling was turned down over a hundred times she's the first billionaire author you know, come on. I mean, people always say, yeah, but I can't be president of the United States, Rob. Let's not even talk about political sides, but our business and running our country. Don't tell me you can't do everything you want to do because you can. These rules that we get from our childhood. I used to, me and my friends would kick football outside on the streets. And what do you want to be, Rob? And you go, I want to be an astronaut. What about you, Jimmy? I want to be a famous musician. What happened to them dreams? I'll tell you, your family and society kicked them out of you. That's what happened. Mm. Start dreaming and turn that dream into a reality. The Beatles, for goodness sake, J.K. Rowling, for, and a billion other people. Yes. Look where they all started. Amazon. I got a picture of Jeff in, his, in a little tiny office with a spray can that he did Amazon behind a bed sheet. Behind, he had a dream, and it will come to fruition. If you, if you visualize it, it will come to fruition if you're doing the right thing every single time, that's the way the brain is used. And that's the power of the universe that we use. Oh, we can so tie it up with these little tiny things. Oh, uh, what you did there, I don't think I believe in that. Good. I love it. You keep believing that. I'll keep doing what I'm doing. Oh, I love it. So, so many things we're discarding. I love this idea of discarding. Yeah, you really, talk listen, about when it. I, when I started this new science thing, people laughed at me. The medical fraternity wrote me off and ridiculed me. But I knew I had something. And as we went through the years and years, people were getting well, Andrea, you know, and I kept at it and kept at it. And I wouldn't stop for nobody because I had a dream. I had a dream of doing this and I had a dream of helping as many people and families as I can, helping them. And I achieved my dream and continue to achieve my dream. It's like, don't let opinions of others. Opinions are like buttholes. Everyone's got one and no one wants to see it or hear it. Thank (laughs) you. So, you know, you've got your opinions and that's fine. But I have a mission. Ah, oh, 
So lovely speaking with you. There are so many wonderful nuggets here that um, our listeners can take away. So I'm just curious, like, I mean, we, we talked about so much in that bottom line is I want change and recognizing that we have the power to change. We have the power within us to, you know, change our brain, change our wiring. Um, and, you know, I love my, my aha. I love this is I'm going to start taking my thinking to court and I'm going to say, said who? It's like, what? Yes. That's not going to be successful. Said who? Come on, Andrea. <laughs> no, when you say that, it's so empowering. Like, yeah, well, I get to choose. But isn't this way society is supposed to go? No, no one's got any rules. They're all, they're all winging it, guys. Just make your own life and do it. For goodness sake, do it. And then yeah. what's the worst can happen? You know, what's the worst? Can I, nobody's going to die if you want to try and get a new house or get a new relationship. No one's dying here. If you want a new job, no one's dying. If you don't get it, there's another one waiting for you, even better ones. So when you start thinking like that, thought patterns become clearer. I compliment three people every day. And I bless somebody monetary when I leave the house, every single day I leave the house. Might be $10, mm -hmm. might be $5,000. Because God, God, my God, my spiritual path has given me money to do that. It's not my money. $200,000 away last year for people who need it and families and people going back to court to get the children back. My money. But I bless someone every single day and I compliment three people. You know, my wife's always say, if I see a, a woman, any woman, no matter what shape she is, where she's from, I walk up to her and go, do you know something? I need to tell you something. You're beautiful. Do you know that? And my wife is right next to me and she looks at my wife going, should we be saying this? But she walks away, man. I just made a day. And vice versa. Yeah. You know, and that's what we need to do. So if you're at home, guys, listen to this and you go, oh, I don't know what to do. 214-600-0210 is my personal cell phone number. Text me and I will call you back. Obviously, I'm busy. And we'll have a five-minute chat. And if, look, you know how confident I am. We're the only people in the world offering money back guarantee. But this is how confident I am. If I give you a five-minute, ten-minute pep talk and you don't feel better after I've done it, Give me your address. I'll send you $100. It's never <laughs> happened yet. But there's the offer. You know, I always put money behind it. People, people retract, attract a lot better when it's more than $100. Not going to happen. You know, the key to life tells you that everyone can be happy and everyone deserves to be happy. And stop putting the brakes on your imagination. Mm, oh my gosh. I normally ask for the, like, you know, one's what's one last little nugget of wisdom that you can share with our, our listeners. But I just feel like, you know what, there are so many nuggets of wisdom in here. So if there was one last little nugget before we go, um, what would that be? I hate to spoil the ending, but everything's going to be okay. Mm. I love that. Oh my gosh, Dr. Rob, I'm so thankful. Everything is going to be okay. And there's that expression in, in everything will be okay in the end. And if it's not okay, it's not the end. <laughs> yes. Yay. So I know people are going to want to get a hold of you. Obviously, I'll put all your contacts in the show notes, but what are you up to these days and how can people reach out to you? Just jump on any search engine in the world, put Dr. Rob Kelly, and I spell my name with two B's, R-O-B-B-K-E-L-L-Y. Dot com is the website. Jump on there. And if you want to chat on something, if you go onto the website, robkelly.com, there's a button there that says speak directly to Dr. Rob. Press that button and the call comes straight through to me and I'll answer it. And people freak out when I answer it. And go, oh, I was calling for Dr. Rob. Yeah, this is me. Oh my God. It's like, <laughs> I will always be in the trenches. I will always forget, never forget where I come from. And I don't read any articles about me. I don't watch anything. I don't hear anything because I just might believe that hype. And I'm not that kind of guy. 
Well, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the guy that's going to help you put my money where my mouth is. Yay. And the other thing I want to say before I go to the listeners, Andrea, I want to tell you, you are beautiful. You are so stunning when you come on. It was like, I'd take a step back for a second. It was like, oh my God, so beautiful. But intelligent and giving. And I know that the show's taking off with the downloads. I've seen them. And you are helping hundreds of thousands of people with the ripple effect that we have that we don't see. So I want to thank you for not only being an absolute decent human being, a winner, somebody I am going to look up to from now on because you're just you're going to be a part of my life. You and your pathways are built, and me. I like to think that we have a psychological love affair going on because I like what you say. I like what you stand for. There's a spiritual connection there. It's just phenomenal. So. From my heart to yours, thank you so much for doing what you do, Andrew. You're amazing. Oh my gosh. If you could see my face, it's all red. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for such a nice compliment. You are amazing. And again, thank you so much for being on the show and and sharing your knowledge and expertise with everyone and your heart. Um, I cannot thank you enough. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Absolutely. Absolutely, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. If you want additional support, you can head on over to our website at savingyouiskillingme.com, where we have a wonderful, supportive, compassionate community. We are here for you. You are not alone. We also have a private Facebook group and Instagram feed called Saving You Is Killing Me, Loving Someone With An Addiction. Be sure to subscribe here so you get the latest episodes. And of course, share this with your community and your support groups or anyone that's going through this struggle so we can all work together to take our lives back and restore joy. Thank you so much for joining me, not only today, but week after week. Although I wish we were meeting under different circumstances, I'm so grateful that I get to show up for you and share these episodes so that we can go on this journey together. Until next week, sending hugs.